Hello, welcome to the Love and Grace podcast. My name is Joel Minkin. Today I've got Ronnie Barker. Hi. And Theus Asperis. And since both of these guys have already been on, we already got their background and everything. If you want to get their background, check out their episodes. I will link them. So last Sunday, we had a very interesting conversation. And Theus um, got it around two main verses. One is 1 John 9, 8, 9 through 18, and the other one was Colossians 1, 25 through 27. But yeah, let's, let's dig into that. And obviously it, it's based around love and grace, the podcast title and direction. So let's see where this leads us. It was Christmas, you know, we're trying to figure out um, asking God, like, you know, what's the direction uh, that you want to take the message? And, you know, salvation is always a, a good message. I mean, that's the good news. So going to First John, uh, not First John, <laughs> John 1, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, 9 to 18. There was a verse in there that I was talking about how salvation is given. Um, usually we think that we have to, I mean, there's a sense of believing in you know in jesus to receive your salvation but it's like it's like you have to put in some sort of work some sort of striving some sort of kind of like this will component that you have to really really do you really believe almost kind of that thing so in there um john was uh, saying that um I, i kind of forgot the verse it's like um like it's not what's it like you're born of God, not of, um, not of your strength or the will of man, but of God himself. Something along those lines. And it's like, um, that's what salvation is. It's nothing that you had to do, but it's all him. You can't choose when you're born. You're just born, right? Um, so there's nothing that you can do. He chooses and he delights in that because that's what he wants to do. So the Christmas message is that it's goodwill towards men. He wants to do that for you, whether you <laughs> like it or not. He does that for you. And, and it's up to us if you want to believe it or not. So that's kind of like the, the direction that I wanted to go. So um, yeah, these guys heard the message and are trying to unpack all the different verses and, and stuff in there. So. Hi. Sorry, we have cats. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was such a neat point of view of, of realizing that God loves, loved us so much that he's wanting you to follow him. It's not, it's not oh, something I found. It's like, oh, I found Christianity. It's pretty good. It's, it's... It's God reaching out and, and drawing you in, where he's showing you how much he loves and cares for you. And where, where we've gotten, gotten the mindset of it being, like I was saying before, an equation, where it's, it's something you do plus God, and then puts that all together, and boom, now you have a relationship with God. It's like, no, I'm gonna, you guys can't hold up your end of the equation, so I'm going to take both sides of the equation. With God taking both parts, it's completely out of our hands how much we need to do. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing you have to do to be accepted. Right, right. Um, I heard today, so I was listening to an audiobook. Thanks for the ideas joel so i'm listening to an audiobook today and it was a book um from rob bell and something that he said today really really stuck with me um that we're we're human beings not human doings Mm. and i think that the power in that is that we become so fixated in well what do i have to do and to the extent that we try to determine the equation exactly what you said um countless times you have examples in the bible where you have people um 
major characters in the faith story that time and time again will say like, oh, you know, well, God, let me do this. I'll do this for you. And then we see examples where either God will say, this isn't yours to to carry. Let me do this. Mm -hmm. Or we have examples where God will kind of let people exercise their free will. And all of a sudden we see our our will will lead us downhill. Mm -hmm. Um, That leads us into the fight um, that we're not even supposed to have. You know, one thing that I know that we've talked about before was the the be still and know I'm God Mm -hmm. and how the phrase be still can be accurately understood as fail and know that I am God. It's it is calling out our striving saying that oh well let me pick up some of the slack that i don't that i'm perceiving which how often do we perceive our own issues and say like oh well here god let me carry this which completely negates the entire story of salvation Mm because that's what the bible is ultimately leading us to not that the story of you've got mankind and then we made a decision caused the entire planet to fall apart more or less and then mankind's way of fixing things because it was man's idea to bring up a law Mm -hmm. and because God called the people up to the mountain and said when you hear the sound of the trumpet come up I will make you a nation of priests but what happened? People became afraid. They said, Moses, God likes you. You go up. Represent us. And then we see what happens when, where is everyone? Have I, look at what I've done for you. Have I not led you through the desert? Have I not led you through the seas? And then laws are given because people like to just follow the rules. Mm-hmm. So what I love is that we see that the salvation story on man's side is God constantly reaffirming the fact that we're trying to do it on our own, on our own stipulations, us creating our own formulas will fail every time. Because if we just let God do his thing, then we realize that salvation was an established thing. Even like the moment the fall happened, you've got God saying that, hey, even though this happened, the serpent's head will be stepped on. Mm-hmm. and is stepped on speaking in a, in a present tense so we have verses like what we just talked about where it's like you know the light of the world we like I think sometimes we get this idea that the light of the world showed up when Jesus was born but the verse itself says that the light that is offered and given to all men became flesh mm-hmm. there was God making us in his image then taking on our bodies representing us being us it's not even that's where the whole division between like you know where's the conversation of was jesus man or was she divine well he's equal parts but he's god because we're trying to make sense of a formula mm-hmm. we're missing the point that the salvation story is saying that we've forgotten our image and likeness We've kept our light, our, our image. I look at you, I see the eyes of Christ. I look at you, I see the hands of Jesus. We're trying to re- reconcile and bring back our likeness, to be like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because it's like, you know, when we celebrate Christmas, it's about Jesus the incarnate, God coming in the flesh, right? And um, Colossians, uh, that's one of the verses that we went through, um, talks about... Um, uh, there's this mystery that has been uh, concealed by God, um, but has now been revealed. When you have a mystery and you conceal it, is, is, does it exist, right? We're not talking about it existing when you believe, existing when it's revealed. It, no, it's existed. But then when God revealed his plan, his ultimate plan to all of the saints, if you're in Colossians 1, um, there's a mystery that he reveals and this mystery has been there, meaning Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when we celebrate Christmas, 
um, Jesus the incarnate coming here on earth, it is also us celebrating Jesus coming into our flesh, right? It, it's Jesus becoming incarnate in us. It's not, um, it really kind of begs the question of why he would choose us, right? In John 1, there's, a, there's talk about how um, uh, through Moses, the law came, um, and through Jesus, grace and truth came. Uh, I think that's incredibly powerful because um, when, we, when we think of salvation, um, you, you kind of think of like, if you're gonna save a car, why would you save a car if it's totaled? Like, what worth do you see? Is it even worthy of being saved? So rather than kind of like what we've been taught in, in a, lot of, uh, a lot of churches, a lot of theology where you know, you're a sinner saved by grace, uh, I mean, I, I get it. Yes, we are sinners, but I think Jesus is pointing to something that's even beyond that. I think Jesus wants you to see what you really have, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's, that's why he's saving you. I mean, um, if you're gonna save something, it has to be worthy to be saved. Why would Jesus die on a cross for you? And I think the verses that we've um, gathered for the message, I think that really kind of hits it home because you are worthy. Um, you don't have to do anything for it. It's because of the loving kindness of God the Father giving his one and only son for you because he loves you, because you feel like you're worthless. He saved you because you are worthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, it was even shorter than the ladies' podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like that's that's kind of that's kind of like the track that we've been on. Um, we, we've been kind of um, not doubting, but more questioning. It's not we know Jesus is Lord. Like we, we resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're not trying to like you know point fingers, but we're trying to explore Jesus. We're trying to see where Jesus leads us. He, he's wanting. Uh, if we're talking about relationship with Jesus, like that's supposed to be the end all be all, like you're, you're on this journey with him. You will make mistakes, no, no doubt, but like we're wanting to see more and get deeper into his heart and his, his mind for us and for his creation. And uh, these are the things that we've been stumbling upon. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes me think that, you know, if we're to believe what, what John was saying, that, you know, that the world came through him Every great artist leaves little bits of themselves throughout the art. That's why you have people who can look at a Picasso painting and they can point at a handful of things and say, well, this is how I know. Well, this is how I know. Well, this is how I know. And the challenge with that is it just goes back to even knowing the difference between a regular dollar bill and a counterfeit is you have to study the authentic one to a T mm -hmm. because there's too many variants out there there's too many things that could be changed and so if we're to take our faith seriously that means that we have to navigate questions we have to question mm -hmm. and i think what's amazing is not even in a good way amazing but how questions within a lot of christianity like, how dare you question this? This is truth. How dare you even consider that there might be another way to think? And that completely denies the entire history that we have and the entire writing of the Bible where people who were filled with doubt did amazing things with God. And people, I mean, Mary even was like, well, I don't know about that. But she surrendered with her faith, mm -hmm. realizing that and navigating the fact that if we can stop drawing lines into what is and what isn't, we might actually be able to see the greater picture because our doubt isn't something to be afraid of or to be rejected. It's actually the staircase to greater truth because how else are we, what are we to follow? Mm -hmm. Are we to follow people who are just saying like, oh, I know the truth, follow me. The Bible says again, like talks against that mm -hmm. and that we should challenge that kind of stuff. Like, it makes sense when Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. Mm -hmm. 
because there's we have to find the the boundary which is funny because i talk of try to talk of non-dualism and dualism but it's finding the boundary between the fact that we can find the 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 brush strokes of god in all things mm-hmm. but what that means is that we also see truth and what's not truth there is a difference mm-hmm. truth can mean a variety of things to a variety of people but at the end of the day he is light god is truth the ground of our being is our foundation of faith because that's where we come from so until we're able to actually wrestle with these questions and actually put our pride down and our fear down when it comes to actually having these conversations it's going to be a stale religion Mm -hmm. it's going to be something that says okay i show up on Sunday at 10 o'clock, the band plays at 10, 15, 10, 30, after I get my cup of coffee, of course. I listen to the music, I listen to the 15 to 30 minute sermon, and then I go home and watch the game. Mm-hmm. That's a stale Christianity. There's so much more out there, but until we become willing to actually wrestle with our faith and let iron sharpen iron, we're never going to find fulfillment in our spirituality. Mm-hmm. And even C.S. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said it, that you know, we're not physical beings on a spiritual journey. We're spiritual beings on a physical journey. And the, the depth of being is something that we're meant to do together. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I started ranting on this, but the fact of the matter, it's just something like that gets me going when it's like, you know, we can look at something with pure eyes and say, let me find God in this. And that's not saying like, oh, let's look at war and find God in this. Like people that do that are just, they're taking things far too literally. Like when they say that, because the fact of the matter is that the Hebrew people that wrote the majority of the Bible spoke allegorically. Mm -hmm. Their language was apocalyptic, not end of the world apocalypse, but it has a deeper meaning. There's always a deeper meaning. That's where they find God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at verses to say the light of the world, it's not a literal light bulb above the planet. It's what is light? So who is the world? And that's what we're invited into. You know, it's, these are people that instead of just becoming obsessed with philosophy, <clears throat> they allowed the mysticism and spirituality of God to actually become an engaging thing mm-hmm. that's greater than knowledge, but it's actually who we are. And we are him, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good rant, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like for, for truth, um, yeah, I don't know, like, kind of like for us, like, I don't know, we've wrestled with truth a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just uh, what's right, what's wrong. And it's, it's funny, because, like, are we trying to be defenders of truth, or is truth defending us? Like, it, it just seems like we're so afraid to question that, um, are we afraid of not being in the truth when you have the truth? Like it just, it just feels weird because it's like, I'm afraid of not being right. I'm afraid of not being in the truth. But there's a lot of truth. My goodness, can you explore the depths of God? And I think that's where we kind of go into being where it's not just kind of doing stuff um, to, to, you know, just learn about Jesus and that's it. It's kind of just all-encompassing, exploring Jesus um, for who he is. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's just weird that, um, like, a lot of the Christian cultures nowadays, it's more of you, you're not supposed to question. Um, but I think you should. I, I think it's healthy to have questions. I mean, a, a body without antibodies is going to die because there, there's some things that are wrong. But th- that's okay. Like the body is able to fight it off. Jesus is in you to fight it off. I think he can defend himself. I don't think he needs us to defend him. Uh, I mean, if our salvation is dependent on him, he is the one that sustains it. 
And I think that's kind of where grace and truth comes because if it's law, then um, you're in and out because of the things that you do. Which, if you read Galatians, that's kind of the, the where um, Paul's kind of going where you know, it, it becomes about rules rather than um, just believing in him, having faith in him. So yeah, I think questioning God I'm not even questioning God, just questioning different things that you believe and he reaffirming those things through things that you've read, things that you've prayed about, um, you in worship with him. Uh, I think he reveals much more deeper meaning than you would have gotten at church. I mean, follow, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, you're following Paul, following a leader of the church, but essentially you're just following Jesus. If you didn't have the church, who would you follow? You'd follow him. I mean, that's kind of the end-all, be-all. I mean, you can have a relationship with church, but this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's so much of Jesus that um, he wants to reveal to you. It's not just this one-and-done message. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, especially with um, us kind of like talking, like it's not about doing, it's about being. It's the other side where we get to explore, where we get to do since we are being. Like it's not, we don't do stuff out of trying to get our salvation or trying to get, uh, trying to you know, do stuff for, for the Lord because we want our salvation, we want to earn it. No, it's because you've, you've been given this out of the joy of your heart, out of the peace in your heart, out of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. You're doing these things out of the overflow of your heart. It's supposed to be this most natural experience, not of work, not of labor, but of just grace. I mean, it's just an overflow of grace on your life. And I mean, um, when sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Um, that's kind of just the overflowing, the welling up inside your, inside you, which is him, just overflowing in your life. And I think that's supposed to be the life given to you. I think we, with salvation, it's always kind of just this like, you know, are you in, are you out? But I think we're kind of, it's kind of a, a scary question saying of when you're in, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? Once you're in, what do you do? I think a lot of the things that we do is kind of just to keep ourselves busy, but I think that mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a lot of explore, there's a lot of exploration. I think that's why we, we encourage to, for you to have this relationship so you can grow and explore and get things wrong and get things right and share with uh, people at your church, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I'm reminded of a book, I think it was Gregory Boyd, um, not 100% sure, but um, he had a book, one of them was a book um, called The Benefit of the Doubt, and it talked about how doubting, how doubting your faith or doubting your religion is actually a good thing so you can actually strengthen your beliefs strengthen your understanding in what you believe and not everybody can get to that point where they you know, we, we've been taught that doubting you can't doubt doubts doubts not faith that's mm. that's not you can't doubt don't you dare doubt <laughs> it's it's again it's it's all on that you've got to you've got to get to a point where you just believe well believing is good and important but knowing like in your heart for sure that this is the right thing you're going in the right direction to to see things see god show you things in life because you ask questions i mean uh a couple weeks ago a couple episodes ago bill vanderbush was saying that he he was um, when he when he went out on his own, he did look at every major religion to make sure that am I am I actually following the right thing? Um, and also, Keith Smith talked about you know 
making sure, hey, I'm going in the right direction. Talked about those things. And we have to ask those questions. Hey, are we going in the right direction? Am I, am I really, have, has everything that I've been taught, is that true? Is that, is that truth? It's funny because like when, when you think of faith and believing, if you believe, then you just believe. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even see God doing the crazy miracles in front of you because you just be like, yeah, that's it. You wouldn't be excited to see the things that God, has, God is doing in your life. Usually when you have those moments where there's like this roadblock or something where you're like, you're just praying and you're praying and you're praying and it's not happening, you're praying and you're praying and you're like, Lord, I believe, I believe, but you're actually doubting. Like you're, you're doubting in your heart, which it's, Jesus is about to like, here, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. Here, here's my hand. T touch, touch the hole, I'm here, this is, this is me. It's those times where your faith is just, it is like supercharged because you've seen God, you've seen this massive mountain and God just kind of just throws it out. He's like, yeah, that's, that's nothing. Here, I got you. And you start praising God and your faith is almost unmovable. You know, those things that, you know, you're, sure, you're supposed to believe, you're supposed to believe, but I think God wants to, wants for you to grow. He wants to, Take those things, those roadblocks, those pieces of faith that you, you think that are faith and it wants to make you question so that he can show you that it's not how much you can really do. It's, he wants to, to reveal and continually reveal himself. Apocalypse, right? It's the, it's the revealing, it's the revelation of, of him. And usually we see a bigger revelation in those times of doubt because he's, he's the one that's gonna provide. He's the one that's gonna to up the ante. He's gonna, he's about to do it. It's about to throw down, you know. D disclaimer, like if we're in the wrong, pray for us. Like we, we, we want to understand truth. We are on this journey for truth. So if we're wrong, we repent. Yeah. Like I, it's not like, oh my gosh, repent. Like, we repent. We really do repent. Like, we want to hear God's heart. So if we're wrong, let us know. Like, yeah. we're here to grow together. And the, the definition of repent, this goes back to the Greek word metanoia. You were going to touch that, weren't you? Oh, absolutely. I was. <laughs> and go for it, Ronnie. Well, I mean, when we look at what Jesus is saying, when he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, it's easy to look at that and just to hear the word that's just been sprayed all over the place. Say, oh, repent for thy kingdom is, you know, just this really intense, like someone's pointing a finger at you and screaming that word in your face. Mm -hmm. And typically that's probably not going to be you on the positive receiving end of that conversation. But when we realize that repent is to literally change the way you think about this thing. You know, we have to, and this is, this is why it's so important, that we have to have what's called an exegesical understanding of Scripture, which is pulling what is the Scripture actually intended for to the people that it was written to. Um, I'm sorry, but the Bible was not written to us. It was written to first century Jewish people, Jewish audience, some of them Roman, if you're lucky. The majority of these people that were reading these scriptures were Jewish people, which means that there is an entire set of understanding and beliefs that we are lost to as modern-day Protestant Christians mm -hmm. because we are so disconnected from history and we're so used to being told what to believe on Sunday mornings. So when we say that, what Jesus is doing is he is looking at a crowd that believes that the kingdom of God is a, an era that is going to be ushered in by the Messiah through a big old power move that to what they understood was going to overthrow Rome, their captors. Basically the idea of Egypt, mm -hmm. but on a grander scale, like this is our moment. So he's looking at this Jewish like crowd of people and he's saying, change the way you think because the kingdom of God is here now. 
is at hand. It's in your hand. It's present right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. He said that 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So how true is that for us today? Like that's supposed to be something that Jesus said to them to get them to change the way that they acted because their beliefs were determined by the rules that they were told to follow. And that's, you know, there was a purpose for the law. Mm-hmm. The law was meant to increase and expose sin. Mm-hmm. So we have to reconcile, as Paul said, that that ministry of death hung on the cross. And that the new covenant that Jesus established with the Father is a covenant of grace. Mm-hmm. That it's God saying, this kingdom of mine that you have been blinded to see is actually within you and all around you. So then what happens is that our spirituality's determination then is to, how do we usher in this kingdom? Not a physical kingdom like what they thought. They Mm -hmm. thought that the Messiah was going to come in guns blazing rip off Rome from its captor state Mm -hmm. and the Jewish people were going to be set as the rulers more or less Um, but that's not what happened Mm -hmm. because the king of the Jews chose to die so then we have to we have to ask ourselves because that's the thing that's exactly what we just got done talking about is that if we're going to change the way we think about things we have to realize that the, the number one thing that we're told to do is to deny ourselves mm-hmm. and take up our cross. Mm-hmm. Realize that if we are to repent, we have to change our thinking on matters. We have to realize that we have made ourselves enemies of God. When in reality, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Understanding what Jewish spirituality meant to them was to say that they didn't believe that anybody was against God, more or less. Like, we believe that about ourselves, so that's what that verse means. You think you're an enemy of God, but you're not, because how can you be opposed to someone that is everywhere? Mm -hmm. So then what happens is our actions and beliefs then come out on how we treat our neighbors. And what happens when that realization comes to play, when that revelation hits us Mm -hmm. of what God is actually trying to do is reveal our own hearts toward our neighbors. It's because that's where he is. There's a quote, I think it was St. Teresa of Avila. Avila. I'm not good at, I'm learning. I'm sorry. I'm learning things. Um, And she said that there is no hands on earth but yours. Christ's hands are your hands. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant to say. That Christ has no feet on earth but yours. Mm-hmm. And we have to realize that what God is trying to do is re-establish our identity as sons and daughters. But even more than that, that God dwells in us. The kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. And that process coming out is what helps recreate Eden. Because what's the goal? Getting people to heaven or restoring our planet? Because the Bible's very clear. But then we get fixated on how many souls we can save. Mm -hmm. But we let our neighbors get shot with guns. And we encourage our country to drop bombs on innocent nations. God's there too. And that's something we have to wrestle with, that maybe our greatest enemy isn't the people that believe differently than us, but maybe our greatest enemy is actually our own beliefs. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've said this many times. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but perception is everything. How you perceive the world determines what your actions are going to be. Do you love your neighbor or is everybody your enemy? That's going to, that's going to change your perception is that 
Is the, the person that's on the, the other side of the world who speaks another language, who didn't grow in, a, didn't come up in, in the God-blessed America, it, does God love them less than us? Because we grew up in America, God's, God set this country up. Do you, do you think that's a little small-sighted? I mean, the country, I mean, we're talking about, you know, a country happens to be one of the most powerful countries in the world. Do, does that mean that if you didn't grow here, grow up here, you weren't born here, that means, <laughs> sorry. I don't know. I think, I think we're a little, quite a bit small-sighted when we think those ways. I mean, I just saw just today, one of the Facebook pages that I've liked over the years had a post of a B-52 flying over a country saying that, that um, it, was, it was celebratory. This is a, a faith-based ministry, celebratory that there's B-52s flying over Iran or wherever. And I think I got to it pretty early, so there was only you know, a handful of likes and stuff. There were several likes and lots of love. Um, <laughs> I was like, how can, how can you, how can someone who believes in a God who loves and cares about everybody be so into saying that it's, that there's an us and a them? And it's, it's all about us. They're them, they're outsiders, we don't care about them. Does God care about them? I bet you there's a lot of people there that God cares about. I mean, he cares about all of them, but I'm just saying, did, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, remember how Lot was confronted saying, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's like, hey, if, if there's 100, 100 righteous people here in the city, if there's, it goes down, if there's 50, if there's 20, he got down to, if there's one, how would he get down to? If there's one righteous person, would you save the city for one? Yes. Do you think there's not one righteous person anywhere in the world? Is that... And that's kind of coming back to the message that we had um, um, that one Sunday. Like, um, for you, for God to say that you're worthy, to God to, to save you, to think that, you know, to think of yourself otherwise when Moses comes and brings the law. And when you look at the law and you look at your life, you, you are a sinner. You've done incredibly heinous things in the eyes of God. If you look at the law, when, when the law came through Moses, but when grace and truth came through Jesus, what did Jesus see? To the pure, all things are pure. This is Titus 1, somewhere there, 15, something like that, yeah. To the pure, all things are pure. Even with, uh, even with Peter, right? Um, uh, yeah, he had the, the dream with the, the, the pigs and all and stuff, like should I eat it? No, this is unclean. Don't call what I've called clean, unclean. So he said to him, uh, he said that I don't consider, what is it again? Like, I don't consider. So, well, that vision, I mean, it's, it's you know, God un unrolls this beautiful blanket full of delectable meats, and many of which were um, against what the Jews were allowed to eat. Now, God says, come and eat. And Peter does the thing that religion does, and he says no to God. How dare it? Like, that is unpure. That's unclean. And God mm -hmm. says this two more times. He says, come and eat. And he says, no, that's unclean. And then God says that do not call unclean what I have called clean. And what's interesting is that then when the guards show up, bring Peter to, I think, the centurion's house. He was a Gentile. And he gets there and he says that, it, you know, it is not lawful for us to be associating. But God has shown me 
that I cannot, I should not call this unclean, is what it's saying. So even to that extent, if you're not a Jew, you're out. That's Judaism. If you're like you're God's chosen people, and then God's saying in this verse that what you have understood to be true, I'm now challenging. It's everything that you thought wasn't clean, I have included. So modern day, we can look at people that we wouldn't exactly fit into our Sunday church pews. And God says they are clean. Mm -hmm. How dare you say that something is unclean that I have called clean? And it's, it's all about perception. You know, what I think is fascinating about the Titus verse says to the pure, all things are pure. And the very next line says that if you think, I'm going to say it wrong. I want to get it right. There's power in the blood. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. I don't mean to challenge beliefs, but I, it's something that I have... I do mean to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do intend to instigate what I feel is exclusionary and untrue. So I say to anyone that says that this is a broken, fallen, sinful planet, hell-bent, that Titus 1.15 says to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. That if we buy this thing that says that everything is evil, everything is there to be deceptive for us, not to say there isn't deception in the world, but how often is it our own twisted words that cause us to become deceived? Following the voice that we actually have in our head instead of the voice that that speaks in our heart. And that people have the audacity to look at what God has called clean and demand more. Mm -hmm. Because that's religion. We have biblical evidence throughout the entire scripture of what happens when people prostitute their own faith for power and for money. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you were saying. Like, I I don't ever want to come across like I speak negatively of a beautiful country that we live in that I wholeheartedly love and appreciate and I pray for. Mm -hmm. But when a display of military power or just any display of power becomes our way to say that we're blessed, we become Pontius Pilate. We become the, the Roman empire Mm -hmm. that painted the Roman symbol. It's the X with the, the P shape. It's a funny shape that means Christ. We paint that on our war shields. Mm-hmm. That's so anti-Jesus. That's so anti-God. Well, I mean, I remember um, all the times where Jesus, you know, said, "Pick up your sword and and um, kill somebody." Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember that either. And then where's it? Um, Joshua. Uh, they had the commander of the army of the Lord, the the angel, come by, and Joshua just had the audacity to like. Are you for us or against us? And the commander of the army of the Lord, Jesus, there's Tim, says, neither. I'm not playing your game. I understand where you're coming from, but no. Like, it's not an us versus them, but I'm here. Take yeah. off your shoes. This is the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right. <laughs> Relax. Right. Relax, bro. Yeah. I'm here. Right. And it, it's just this twisted mindset that so many people have that we are willing to excuse violence when done when we're on the winning side. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that if we're on the, you know, it's just the whole violence conversation in general. But again, like our courtrooms should say, blessed are the merciful for our so-called Christian nation. But we have seen such a division going on lately that, I mean, honestly, like, like I said, I don't, 
if we're able to dissociate ourselves from who's in and who's out, then the divisions that do happen, we can actually find the truth in the midst of that instead of taking sides. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in any conflict that I get involved in, I feel like I ask myself, like, why does there have to be sides? Like, I don't, I don't get why, but that's just our way of thinking. We, we are raised to believe that because we live in a superpower. Whose side are you on? You know, growing up, my grandfather, speaking poorly about, like, the Russians, you know, it's because mm-hmm. he lived through that time frame and, and just the, the constant divisiveness that we've got, but then missing the fact that we're not supposed to be divisive between people. We're meant to be divisive between what is not true mm-hmm. and what is the light. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to bring a movie into this, but um, the end of the first Lego movie, um, you have the, the main character coming up against the, the bad guy and says, why, why do we have to be enemies? Why do we have to be enemies? So, so things to think about. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, in a, well, when you were saved, like, Jesus found worth in you, mm-hmm. where you didn't find worth in yourself. When you look at yourself in the wall, you, you are worthless. You're a piece of junk. But Jesus, in his majesty, in his righteous judgment, called you righteous. What do you think of that? But why, why would he make you clean when we thought we were unclean? It's kind of like the, to the pure, all things are pure. When you look at your own life, do you look at yourself as pure or unpure? I think most, if not everyone, will say, I feel unpure. Because there's things that you fail at. There's things that, but why did Jesus save you? because you are worthy to be saved. You are worthy. So it just, so then wouldn't that change your thinking? Wouldn't that change your thinking of other people? Because if he could see you, um, even Paul said, um, you know, this is a, a worthy saying that I'm, was it, uh, I'm a sinner who, who I'm the worst. He, was, he called himself the worst sinner. Jesus died for, for sinners of whom I'm the worst. Like, he understood that even though I felt like I was the worst sinner, Jesus saved me. And now I understand why he would save me. Like, goodness, what have I been lacking? And then you get to see beyond just the, the law, the, the perspective of the law, which is what you kind of you do, right? You look at yourself in the perspective of the law. You look at the people around you in the perspective of the law that they're not doing right, let's bomb them, let's do all these different things. But then when you have grace and truth, Jesus looking, aren't they worthy of being saved? Do you see my image there in the people uh, that are there? Like that's, I think that's where true repentance, where, where you really believe in him, like when you really believe that you are saved, like it just, it's like that revelation, like man, it, you would, it becomes natural, right? The, the love, joy, peace, that's natural because of course I love my neighbor. Like he's, he's amazing, he's wonderful. You're not, you're not pointing out the faults. I think people know their faults. I think we know our faults. But it's much tougher for us to see the glory, right? Uh, I think in, uh, was it I, Isaiah 6? I've, I've used this one and, and I love it because it's, um, it, it's awesome because it was like, uh, it's like the angels, he had a vision and he saw the angels and the angels were like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Can you tell me there's glory on this earth? The whole earth is filled with his glory. Tell me. Like, I don't think, in the perspective of the world, we would say it's not. 2020 kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But do you see the glory that's covering the entire earth? Do you see it? I think that's perspective shift that God is inviting us into. I think that's, that's the salvation, the, the change of the repentance in our mind, the metanoia, the, the change in our thinking, showing that we don't have to f- uh, find faults, fault finding, 
but it's really looking at the glory, looking at Jesus himself, the mystery across the entire earth, revealing that. The whole earth is, it's groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. That's what the entire earth is groaning for, the sons and daughters to be revealed. And that's, once we get, once our mindset is repented, then we become revealers, we become, we get to reveal all these different things. I think it's Proverbs where it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to reveal it. I think it's awesome that we get to reveal the apocalypse. We are the apocalypse. Apocalypso, right? Is that the, is that? Yeah, he, <laughs> it's on his chest, <laughs> chest, it's amazing. Sorry. It's, it's, the, it's a, the revealing of his chest. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and that's, that's the beauty of it, is that when, when we are able to appropriately understand truth that is spoken about in the Bible, we suddenly don't have to be afraid. Yeah. There's like, how many times does God repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly say, do not fear, fear not, have no fear. Mm-hmm. Like, because we, we realize that what is the most crippling thing that we can experience? It's not, it's not hate. Hate isn't the opposite of love. It's fear. Because where love binds together, mm-hmm. fear drives apart. And perfect love casts out, out fear. fear. Mm-hmm. And then we can realize that, okay, now I can engage with something that has the power to, to actually shape my life instead of just fill my head with Bible verses and things that say, you know, well, you know, I know this, which means that I know that you're probably not going to go to heaven because of this happening. And then it's just, then it becomes this big game of who's in, who's out, and that if I'm in, which typically the people making the biggest deal about it are the people that thinks, well, I'm in, which means I can tell you you're not because I am. And it, it just plays into this, this entire system of manipulation and where we have to come into it, having an actual understanding of truth that's being presented to us, because truth isn't a, is not a, minist- uh, a mystery. Truth is not a mystery. Ha- uh, lies try to deceive us, but truth isn't hiding. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the great, exactly what we said earlier, the great mystery of God has been revealed. Isn't it strange enough to say that there's nothing hidden mm-hmm. of God? Because the mystery, which has been withheld for so long, has been revealed. So now we have an infinite amount of knowing when it comes to God. It's not that, you know, oh, God's just hiding that from you. It's like, no, that's, God's not playing games with us. He's, he's not trying to, like, I don't, I don't play hide and seek with us. Like he's, he's there and when you get to know him, when you get to know what the light looks like and what truth sounds like, then you can start to, with, with, eye, with eyes wide open, <laughs> you get to, to look at things and have that, that fresh vision. Mm-hmm. And to let, like uh, this all whole rant came from Apocalypse, which means the revealing. You know, the book of Revelation in its original writing was Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. We, we forget that it's of Jesus Christ. Exactly. It's, it's not, written it, right it's there. It's not the, the last book of the Bible, which is the roadmap of, of the end times which is an entirely different conversation and a whole podcast <laughs> worth of information. But it's the revelation, it's the revealing, it's, it's the, the blossoming of Jesus Christ in our world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not trying to reveal all the crap in the world, he is trying to reveal the sons and daughters on earth. That is, like, that is the end all be all. If you can reveal the sons and daughters on earth, you don't have to reveal the crap. I think people are, I've already seen it. I think people want to see the sons and daughters on this earth. And that's what Jesus came here to do. And that's what we've been called to do as well. Like to reveal the sons and daughters here on earth. That's an amazing 
revealing of truth. And we, we think truth is like, you know, oh, always this bad truth, always this revealing of bad, all this revealing of bad. Well, it's gonna be glorious, but all this revealing, no. Like, Jesus is pretty darn good. Like, do we have to make bad news before we give good news? Like, like I have to make it incredibly bad for you to make it incredibly good for you. No, Jesus is incredibly good. I think you already know what the bad is for you. I think Jesus is incredibly good. I think we, I think, yeah, who is it? Bill Vanderbush already stated this. Like, we can't overestimate how good he is because if we could, that means we play God. Remember David saying, let's magnify the Lord. Yeah. Magnify. Yeah, you can yeah, make it bigger. Yeah, make, make him it, big. Make him big. <laughs> this is a youth ministry <laughs> with Gerard. Yeah. But yeah, like, it doesn't, the revealing isn't bad. It is amazing. And he wants to reveal the true you. When we turn on a light in the room, what does it reveal? It doesn't reveal darkness. He's the light of the world. He reveals what has been in the room the entire time. He wants to reveal what has been in you the entire time. The darkness has no power, right? I mean, if Jesus has the keys, keys of the kingdom, why does Satan have them now? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus give it to Satan? Jesus has the keys to the kingdom. He has everything. You have been blessed with everything in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 1. Everything in the spiritual, uh, in the heavenly realms has been given to you, everything. So what do you lack? Well, what are you missing? Like, that is yours. Like, that's what he's wanting to reveal. Everything that he has is yours. I, I'm ranting now. I lost my train of thought. No, you're fine. I, it's what, so what popped up in my head when you were talking about that is that, you know, it just brings us back to, like, what's typically the first thing that, like, people who are non-believers hear from Christians, and that's holy, the sinner's prayer. And, and the tragedy is that we have to, to convince you how terrible you are to talk about how good God is. Mm-hmm. Whereas what is, I, I feel one of the greatest tragedies of Protestant Christianity that we have to do that can be one of the greatest invitations when I look at you and say, look how wonderful you are. Mm-hmm. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You were created with purpose and with power and with dignity and beauty. Let's go and be with the one who made you. Look at anyone and say that the one whose message carries hope will have the greatest influence. And if you really think about it, if I told you how beautiful and wonderful you are, who would have the law? It's the person carrying the blame and the shame of it all. If I told you how good you are that, Jesus Christ lives in you because you are a worthy vessel of him. Would you believe that? If, if you felt like in your life you, you've done terrible things and all these different things, you would. Uh, I wouldn't have to preach the bad news to you. I think you would already know. I think it goes back to we are our worst critic. Yeah. And I think that's what the good news truly does. The good news, when presented correctly, makes you look at your own life and see how worthy you truly are. Do you want to see judgment? I want to judge you and you take it wherever you want to. If you want to believe, I guess you love the darkness. I guess you love being in the dark, being in the dark with all the stuff that you've done. But I'm trying to reveal who you truly are, which is wonderful, which is made in the image and likeness of me, Jesus. And I think that should be the message of Jesus. Wow. Again, this has turned into another wonderful podcast. Um, wow. Uh, Ronnie, how can people get a hold of you on, on the internets? The internets. Um, so I have recently reactivated my Twitter. So St. Rodolfo. St. Rodolfo. St. Rodolfo. Funny story behind that. I'll share another time. Um, I tried to coin it as quick as possible. So if you're on Twitter, uh, at St. Rodolfo. If you're on Instagram, at St. Rodolfo. 
if you're on Xbox, San Rodolfo. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if I got some invites on Xbox? Yeah. Um, yes, I play Xbox. Call of Duty, that's where it's at. Mm. Which is funny because all the stuff I say about <laughs> dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah, let's play Call of Duty. <laughs> it's a video game, right? I'm it's a video game. It's okay. We all are. Um, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's that's what's up. Theus, are you on uh, social media? Facebook, but maybe. This man's impossible. Uh, yeah, I am impossible to get to get a hold. Like, I like quality time. I like just spending time face to face. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely good with like cell phone or like Facebook. Uh, even Facebook is like, gosh, everyone's just arguing and speaking their mind. I'm like, just, just, you know, just, just, just relax. Don't worry about it. Like, guard your heart from the issues that you. Issues of life come from your heart. Just guard it. Just stop. So yeah, yeah. Maybe Facebook, maybe Messenger. Okay. Yeah. Guys, thank you for joining us. Remember to subscribe, like, comment. We want to hear your comments so we can answer questions. If you have questions about love and grace, hey, we can get we can get some answers. We can find those answers. But again. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time right here on the Love and Grace Podcast.